This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. When cannabis started being legalized in U.S. states like Colorado, and more recently across Canada, it struck me that it was a very interesting new vertical for digital signage companies to chase, because it was a greenfields industry that had retail environments offering up products wholly unfamiliar to a lot of the people walking in the door. It's grown pretty clear though that while there may indeed be a big long-term opportunity, cannabis retailing is also a very complicated industry with rules and regs changing by jurisdiction and a whole bunch of vendors' SKUs and widely variable supply chains. While there might be a common perception that getting the okay to sell cannabis is a license to print money, a lot of operators are struggling financially, and both retailers and the tech ecosystem underpinning cannabis are coming in and dropping out all the time. A Canadian company called BudSense has a particularly interesting story to tell. The company, based in Regina, Saskatchewan, started out as a retailer, but found its way into technology to fill the gaps in what they needed to effectively manage stores and communicate to customers. Now software is the main business, and BudSense has a SaaS software product that is all about managing menus and other screens around dispensaries, and it is very specifically tuned to cannabis retailing, as opposed to general digital signer software that could also drive cannabis store menus. Canada has been the main focus to date, but co-founder David Thomas says BudSense has business in the U.S. and plans to grow that. David, thank you for joining me. Can you tell me a little bit about BudSense? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Um, BudSense is a menu merchandising company in the cannabis industry. It solves the problem for our retailers of uh, menu management. And are you focused just on menus or are you doing in-store promotion, all kinds of other things within these dispensaries? Yeah, we do some in-store promotion tool sets as well. Um, pretty much anything that involves merchandising are, mm-hmm. is the solutions that we want to we wanna solve. Right. And your company's in Saskatchewan, right? Yes, we're based out of uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, where we got our start in in dispensary operation. Okay. So when you say dispensary operations, you mean you're uh, you're actually uh, you're running a dispensary? We were, yeah, and we still we still are. I partnered with my brother John um, in around legalization in Canada, mm-hmm. and we started with running four four stores. In Saskatchewan, uh, we've since sold those stores and moved on to other retail footprints. But uh, that's when we started developing the software that is now BudSense. And and what set you down that path? Because being a retailer is very different from being a software company. Absolutely. Um, so I I have a background in engineering. Um, okay. My brother is a background in pharmacy. Uh, we actually started our business partnership before cannabis in in real estate. 
Um, and we were, we were just, uh, we have an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, we were always kind of looking for, for opportunities. And when cannabis was announced for legalization, we just, we saw it as a, we saw it as a once in a lifetime opportunity and we wanted to participate. So that mm-hmm. was the catalyst that pushed us into the, into the cannabis space. Um, we went into retail uh, because of our uh, real estate and pharmacy uh, background. Um, I have a lot of experience running teams and building systems. Um, so we just put our skill set to use in a in a brand new uh, industry. So did you write your own software to run your store and that's what got you down the path? Or was it the absence of good software to do what you needed? It was it was both. Um, so we 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 solved whatever problem was directly in front of us. Um, so it wasn't like we wanted to solve digital menus. It was more of a necessity, and then we had the skill set to do it in that way. So when we when we started, we had four stores to run, um, and that's very atypical from a from a normal business where you start with one and then progress if you're successful. Um, so from day one, I kind of knew that we needed a system to manage merchandising from a central location so we could know what was happening in the stores. And there was some solutions on the market, but they were, they, they were pretty flimsy at that point. Um, and we just, we just felt more comfortable building our own. Um, so that's, that's where we started down the path of digital menus. And, and at what point did you decide that you'd rather be a tech company than a retailer? Because I think the perception when cannabis was legalized in Canada was if, if you managed to get uh, permits to, particularly in those provinces where they allowed for private operators, it was it was a license to print money. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the, the the markets are very very interesting with cannabis. Um, I've I've watched them develop um, in in our region, in the U.S., other other places, and um, that's certainly the perception from the outside looking in. And it, that happens a lot in an early market, whereas some of the permits are protected, and ours were in the early days. Um, we we actually sold at um, what turned out to be the peak of the market, um, uh, which was. Uh, which was an excellent uh, catalyst for our next chapters. Um, so we so now now a lot of the markets in Canada are oversaturated. Um, I've I've heard numbers thrown around, such as something like seventy percent of uh, dispensaries in Canada are unprofitable, um, and that that has to do with uh, that has to do with market saturation, but it also has to do with um, operations being a little bit bloated and not really having the efficiency needed. Um, that are, are kind of where we kind of where Bud Sense is focused on is like let's let's drive some extra revenue, but let's also let's also try and um, try and make sure your costs are under control and you're um, running an efficient uh, uh, operation. I've, I've also heard a number of times that uh, the the big challenges that a lot of the people who get into launching dispensaries is they. They know their cannabis, but they don't really know retailing. Yeah, you've hit on some. You've hit on something really interesting because even if they do know retail, which is very rare, cannabis is different. So you have this situation where no one has the perfect skill set. So it's going to take innovation and learning, regardless of what your background is, because it's new and it has new problems. So what happens is. Re- 
regardless of your background, you go into it, you, you, you start trying things. And if you're not, if you're not mindful that the, your first, your first, your first go at it isn't going to be perfect, you're going to need to change your strategy. That's where people get into trouble with switching costs, with building systems that aren't necessarily malleable enough to, to change. So there's a ton of different backgrounds. Some people are more experienced with the product. Um, some, some people are more experienced with retail. Some people are more experienced with purchasing. Um, it, it's, really, it's really interesting because you essentially have to lean on your strengths while understanding your weaknesses and kind of builds the business that way. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of different paths to success in, uh, in, in cannabis. And we see that with our different uh, customers of BudSense where there's not one way, there's not one way to do this. Um, but it, it, it is challenging regardless of what your background is. Yeah. I mean, what, one of the big challenges that I perceived is how things are licensed and regulated changes by jurisdiction. So for instance, in Saskatchewan, where your company is based, it sounds like it's privatized. Where I'm in, where I live in Nova Scotia, it's it's run by the Provincial Liquor Corporation. So it's very much regulated and I can go in and buy a bottle of wine and go around a corner and buy whatever you buy there. <laughs> I don't terribly know, but it, but it's, it's all kind of incorporated and, and much more heavily regulated perhaps than is in, uh, in, in a private situation i guess it's the same in the states where it can change state by state it's yeah you've you've hit on another one here where it's interesting because it your operation depends on the municipality and the region that you're in for and i I, municipality yes yes um yeah even down to the municipality level based on zoning um because one of the one of the most important parts of it is your location and 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 how protected it is from other competition, um, and then your purchasing is different based on your region. But one 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 thing that we um, excelled at is it's very simple. Um, we read the rules and we read the regulations and we understood those. And and a lot of other times people would go in based on like what they're doing in the U.S. or what they're doing in another market. And the the problem with that, like a concrete example, was. When we opened our stores in Saskatchewan, we didn't have a security guard at the at the front door um, because the because the regulations didn't say you had to. Uh, we were treating our customers as customers, and a lot of people looked at what the U.S. was doing and they saw these security guards at the front door, and they didn't necessarily understand the purpose of the security. the The security guards were there because of the, it, it's it's not legal federally, so it's a it's a purely a cash business, and the insurance is extremely expensive. So when you have a cash business, your lot you have your your store is filled with cash, and it's it's a target for uh, it's a target for crime. Um, so for those reasons and the illegality of it at a federal level, that's why the security guard is there. But when you read the when you read the regulations, there's no reason for one. So it's it's little things like that where if you're not focused on the details of the regulations and 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 respect the regulations, it's really hard to create a dynamic business um, w- without understanding them. Right. So if if I'm a cannabis dispensary and I've just opened up and 
I, or I'm about to open up and I determine I, I, I need digital menu displays and I would like some promotional displays as well. Could I just use any old uh, digital signage CMS software to run the store or would I be just buying into a whole bunch of work that I don't need to? It, it, de- it depends how large your organization is and it depends how highly you value your menus. Um, if, if you're, if it was, it goes back to our conversation earlier where what are your skill sets and what do you value and how are you going to create value in your business? Because if you're willing to at your menu, enter in all of your product information daily and keep it up to date, which some people do, like there, there is, there, there is a viable reason to, to do that. If you want expanded information that say something like a bud sense doesn't offer. If you want a clean, tight operation that is that that runs your menus a little bit more uh, uh, efficiently and automated, that's where that's where BudSense really starts to shine. And and as your like BudSense manages scale really well, so like you may be able to have like owner operated store that uses a chalkboard that understands every product that's coming in, um, but when you get five, ten, twenty, thirty stores under a under a banner that 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 falls apart really fast um so it 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 again depends but like we we offer some powerful menu solutions that go beyond that um go beyond that kind of out of the box digital signage stuff that we're that you're you're referring to and from what i understand there's a whole sort of technology ecosystem focused around uh, the cannabis dispensary business, including point of sale systems, information systems, inventory management systems, all that stuff that maybe you would never find in uh, an apparel store or hardware store or something like that. But it's it's tuned to cannabis. Is that accurate? It's very accurate, and I I'm I'm fascinated by it because I think it's partly to do with our time in modern technology where if you if if hardware stores were legalized today, um, if hardware stores were invented today, I believe they would have a stronger tech ecosystem. I believe that we're using tech in cannabis more so than in other verticals at the start of their at the start of their run because it's available to us and because it's helpful. Um, that said, that the nature of cannabis and the instability of the supply chain. Um, it leads really well to these niche products. Uh, you mentioned point of sale, and for example, um, there's a seed to sale um, regulation need where you're 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 monitoring individual pr- individual products from the time that they're grown to packaged to delivered to the store to accepted at the store to sold to the customer, meaning seed to sale. And that regulation is over and above most just out of the box uh, point of sale system. So that's why, and that again is down to the, that is down to the region. So these point of sale companies, they have to change their technology to support region by region regulations based on that seat to sale tracking and other, and other things. Wow. So it gets very, very complicated. It does. It is. It's. It is certainly. Um, it is certainly a unique set of challenges, um, and and it's really early stage too. So a lot of the um, a lot of these challenges and underdeveloped technology 
kind of falls on the lap of operators. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's challenging. As a tech provider in, in this ecosystem, is it challenging to get to scale because you've got all of these operators and as you said, 70% of them maybe aren't profitable. So they, they come in, they come out, they're, they're cash constrained and everything else. It is it is challenge challenging. That being said, uh, I I don't. This is my first software as a service company that I've built. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd imagine that it's it's always challenging. But I do I do think it's particularly challenging in cannabis. Um, that said, I, I just I think it requires th- the right approach for this industry. Um, and and it's it's back to what I was saying, where just understanding the rules and like you said, understanding the the conditions that these operators are trying to run their business in is really important. Um, for those reasons, we, we spend all of our capital on the product. Um, a lot of our competitors, um, they spend more on sales than we do. And, and the reason why we spend on product is because exactly what you're saying, there's a lot of problems to solve. And I don't really, if, if, if people are going to go to business, I don't really value early market share that much. Um, that being said, it, it lowers the revenue that we can create out of the bat. But I, I feel like focusing on the product and focusing on trying to help our customers create success and, and drive revenue and, and clean up their clean up their costs. I feel like that's a winning formula long term. It's just it's just a little bit rocky at the start. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. And and where are we in, in that sort of evolution of the industry? I mean, it's, legalization happened, what, 10 plus years ago in Colorado? Yeah, 10 years ago, Colorado, five years ago, uh, Canada. Um, the, the, the Colorado legalization, like the legacy, um, in, in the U S it's, it's interesting because they, they've been kind of in an eye on an Island. Um, so the tools such as BudSense haven't really hit them. They kind of made do with what they had. Um, uh, and and it created interesting market conditions. It all in the U.S. Also, I don't think they've seen the growth in consumption expected, um, and and that's because without federal legalization, they they really won't see that like three decade increase of consumption that we're expecting. And when when you go nationally legalized, like Canada would Canada would see. Um, but yeah, where where are we from a from a tech standpoint overall? Um, I, I think we're really early. I don't, I don't think it's been proven that a point of sale system can have, uh, can have like international dominance. I, it still seems to be region by region. I don't really think many people have realized how 
taxing regulation is on technology. Um, mm-hmm. f- for that reason, BudSense is what, what I call decoupled from the transaction. Um, and this is counter to most, uh, most traditional tech uh, thinking where you want to get as close to the transaction as possible because that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. But in cannabis, that's also where the regulation is. So by decoupling from that, we can spread a little thinner and build solutions that are easier to scale across the entire industry. So mm-hmm. industry as a whole, um, I, I think we got a long way to go. Um, BudSense is making pretty significant strides in building powerful tools that do kind of take some of these retailers out of the out of the dark ages, uh, challenging period of cannabis retail. Mm-hmm. And some of the surf, surf riders have kind of come in and out of the space as well, right? Like uh, you contacted me because it, one of them was basically backing out of the digital signage. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I've seen a lot of, a lot of decisions, a lot of uh, significant decisions of pulling out, coming back in, um, investing, divesting. Um, it's it's tough for me to speculate, but yes, mm-hmm. um, the the main our main competitor in the U.S. has dropped out of uh, of dropped out of digital signage in the cannabis industry. And why why would they? I you know you're speculating again, but I'm curious why would they do that? It it, it strikes me as you know you get into something with them, then you've got recurring revenue. Yeah, you have my my best assumption is well. F- first of all, that Enli- enlightened enlightened was purchased by a company called Weed Maps, um, which mm-hmm. I I believe is the largest tech company cannabis company in 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 the world. Um, so they they had a larger parent company, and when that and when a larger parent company is involved, and and you're dealing with a subsection of that company, I mean, who who knows what could have possibly happened, but um, what I, what I see time and time again is even a dominant player like weed maps, they, they, they likely don't understand the whole scope of the cannabis industry. They get mm-hmm. their part really well, but they don't necessarily understand the retail part or the cultivation part and the individual challenges that come with it. So when they think digital signage, they're probably thinking of it simpler than what BudSense has. And when you mm-hmm. bring when you bring a simple solution to a really complicated environment, it's really tough to maintain and it's really tough to scale. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance that they're making a, the right decision for them. Um, whereas that recurring revenue that they might have on their balance sheet, maybe it's not sustainable. And again, I don't know, um, but those are those are some assumptions that I could make to the decision. Right. Uh, of those retail stores, dispensaries, whatever you want to call them in Canada and the U.S., uh, are most uh, using digital screens in some way or some of them still analog? It, go- it goes in trends. Um, Canada is more dig- has a more higher digital um, percentage than the U.S. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of stores don't use menus at all um, because mm. they just completely simplify the problem and use their bud tenders to communicate directly to the consumer. Right. That gets challenging in terms of uh, volume, right? And staffing. It's so many things because then now you have personal bias too. And, mm-hmm. and, and you're, 
your consumer, they, they don't necessarily want to get all their information from the bud tender. Some people love it. Some people don't like it. I think, I think one of the, one of the missing pieces in that ideology is that the menu isn't just for the consumer. It's also for the bud tender so that they can use the menu to discuss purchasing options together. There's a lot of, with cannabis, there's a lot of information to process. And mm-hmm. I think that, I, I think that some, some, some operators, they don't, they kind of, they're around it all day, every day. And they kind of lose sight of what it's like for a consumer to come into the store and just absorb and consume all of this information. And mm-hmm. what, what menus really do is help structure those conversations regardless of regardless of how you see the customer journey happening i i think it i think we're you're missing out if you don't have a if you don't have a well thought out merchandising plan right that said if you're dealing with something that's inefficient and doesn't really work that well and it requires more headache than it's worth there's a great argument to not do it at all if you're not able to do it well don't do it right. at all. That is that is a methodology that I prescribe that I subscribe to for other parts of the business. So why not menu management? Yeah, I mean that's a, a long running story in digital signage. Period. In that a, a lot of venue operators, whether they're retailers or QSR or whatever, they invest in the technology, they invest in the original content load, and then it just becomes an orphaned bunch of screens that never get updated. Yeah, we I see that all the time, and then it's just and then it's just kind of in the background, right? And mm-hmm. and we see that in our sales cycle too, where some of our some of our customers who are using our, our potential customers who are using another solution, it it might just be collecting dust in 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 the background. So it's but when they see our software, they're more like, oh, like this exists, like the this this is is out there, like to help me help me manage my menus and, and, and make it a little bit more meaningful. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's kind of fascinating. Um, um, the, the, the difference in, um, w- in ways that, um, operators manage menus, whether you're talking about no, no menus at all, um, poorly managed menus or s- something more along the lines of BudSense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was excited by the, the prospects for digital signage in the cannabis industry, cannabis retailing, because uh, you you would have a whole wash of consumers who would be walking into these stores for the first time, completely unfamiliar with the product, uh, maybe a little bit uncomfortable because they, they don't get it. They don't know what they're buying. They don't want to be sold stuff that's overpriced or whatever. And I saw digital signage as a way to help educate drive awareness and and kind of streamline operations but i'm I, I i hear a variety of stories including from you about how well that works yeah it's 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 fascinating right like i think back to legalization and what consumers expectations were of the store and and what we had right they co- they come into our store on day one and we had like eight products for them to buy from like mm-hmm. edibles weren't legal we didn't have pre-rolls weren't legal um and it was just kind of uh, a lot of ways disappointing. And when you when you when you look at it up close, it feels like a struggle. Um, but when you zoom way out, I see 
a 30 year improvement cycle where, where we're getting better at this and we're starting to pull um, consumption away from alcohol and, and towards cannabis. Um, and I think that a lot of um, operators are a little bit too close to it where they don't see these new customers coming in because mm-hmm. it might only be 2% of their customer base that is new. But that 2% over time is massive. And it's exactly what you were saying, where there's a feeling that like, oh, our customers know how we do things. We, they know where to find the products that they, they, they want to buy. And maybe they even already know what they want to buy before they come into the store. Yes, that's mm-hmm. all true. But there is this subsection of the, of the consumer base that is intimidated the first time that they come into the store. There's a lot of Canadians that still haven't been into a cannabis store. Or maybe they went mm-hmm. once and they had a they had a negative experience. So exactly to your point is this customer journey. Um, we really do have to try and make it as welcoming as possible. Mm-hmm. And I've seen everything from cannabis stores that look like Apple stores. You know, they're they're sleek, they're beautiful, and I've seen other ones that look like uh, you know Korean variety stores in suburban Toronto or something just, you know, kind of run down and shabby and everything. Yeah. It's interesting. That was the, um, that was the common, um, thread of, we want to be the Apple store of, of cannabis. And I think, I think we've kind of softened that stance a little bit. A lot of those companies Mm -hmm. who had that uh, concept in mind, um, they're quite frankly, they're, they're bankrupt now, um, or, or on their way out. And, what happens is when when you have a when you have a thirty percent margin packaged good product, um, you got to be careful of where you spend your money. Um, so I I think it's I think it's about making our customers comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other thing is how much space do you need? You know, um, yeah. I I think as a rule, even ours even our early stores they were too big, um, and they were still half the size of some of these other ones. So. Uh, you can probably make if you make your store small enough, you can make it as nice or as um, or as a kind of rough around the edges, like you were saying, as as you want. But um, it's it's really about where where you're spending that money and how you want to design your customer experience from there. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the company. What's your installed base? So we we have approximately ten percent of the Canadian market right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we started out focused, so we're, we're in over 500, um, locations, um, U S and Canada. Um, mm-hmm. we're very focused on, um, we're, we're very focused on maximizing our current customers use of the product. That's how we mm-hmm. approach our development. And as we go, we build from word of mouth and inbound leads. Like I said, we don't have a ton of, of, of sales efforts. Um, so one of the like our early success was based on my retail experience, um, understanding from a f- from a firsthand experience of what a retailer needs, um, and and building uh, a product to suit that. Um, but eventually, that kind of ran out. And what we I, I'm still involved in the in in the, in the space from a retail perspective. Um, but what we started to realize was there's different perspectives of this, and there's different ways of doing it. And we look at every new customer as an opportunity to see a new perspective of how menu management can work in this space. And we try and Mm -hmm. build our product around those 
different stories. So each of our retailers has has a they might not realize it, but they have a voice in the development roadmap of our product. And that's that's how we see growth. Because if we can if we can save our if we can save our customers time and then and then once we save them time, we can start maximizing margins. And once we maximize margins, we can start boosting their revenue. We can really take some of these companies who are struggling and, and make their business better. And that's that's right. that's what we're focused on rather than store count. Um, because we're in the infancy of, of the industry. So I just, I see it as kind of a, I, I see it as almost a, a waste of resources to chase early market share. I would much rather build a, a strong product. Right. Is it easier to work in Canada than the U.S. because it is nationally legal? I, I guess it really depends on what you, what your goal is. Um, for It's easier, like, it's easier to do some things in cannabis uh, in Canada. Um, like for us, for instance, we built a database of 35,000 SKUs in Canada and to help our retailers with data entry. Mm -hmm. That's not possible in the U S there is no, there's, there's, there's no even barcodes um, from state to state just because of the, just because of the, um, the federal legality of it. Um, Mm -hmm. That said, if 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 you're going to do a more simple solution, the U.S. the the, the U.S. could be easier. Um, the the reason why we focus our development on uh, on Canada is because it's a it's a little bit more robust in terms of a national regulation standard. Um, so we can build out our product um, in a in a way that kind of wraps around a national legalized structure. Um, mm-hmm. And then what we do is we take parts of that and we distribute it into the US. Um, so like our, our Canada market is is kind of like an R&D farm. And then we, we pull out parts of our product and wrap it around a particular use case in the US. But right. if we focused on the US, it's so fragmented that it's, it, it, it's tougher to build that cohesive system it's better to build the cohesive system and then only use 30% of it rather than build 30% of it and not know what that 70% is supposed to look like, if, if, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, company is privately held? Yes. And how many people do you have? We have 12 people right now. Okay. And just dispersed or, or do you actually have a bunch of people in Regina? Yeah, we have a we have a head office um, that's located in a it's pretty it's a pretty cool program. It's called the Connexus Cultivator, and it's a tech incubator. Um, so we oh, okay. have we have about half of our team there, um, and right. then the the rest is distributed throughout Canada and remote work. And you're in Victoria, BC, which is a lot nicer this time of year than Regina. It is. Yeah, I spent many winters in Regina. I do I I do feel grateful to to be here now in the winter. Yeah, I'm a Western Canada boy, so I had to get the hell out of that one. <laughs> I don't like minus thirty Celsius. I've I've spent enough. I I feel like I've spent enough time in it. It 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 yes. <laughs> You've paid your dues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been great. Uh, very insightful. Thank Thanks you. a lot, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. 
you can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 16.9 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 16.9 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 16.9, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 16.9 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.